Welcome to the Mujeron Podcast, a place for the modern Latina who is ready to get out of her own way and build the life she wants. I'm Sonia Alejandra, your host and the founder of Mujeron Movement, y juntas we'll explore the topics of self-development, entrepreneurship, community, and everything in between that empowers us on our journey to becoming the Mujeron of our dreams. Vamos a lograrlo juntas. Hola, Mujerones. Welcome back to the Mujeron Podcast. I am super excited for our topic today. It's something that I'm sure a lot of us have gone through and something that if you're going through right now, this conversation is really going to help you. We're going to be talking about the three ways to embrace healthy relationships. We all want to manifest and bring those, attract those relationships that are going to help us elevate, are going to help us really move forward, whether it is in your personal life, whether it is with your family, your friends, how can we attract those relationships? Well, we have a very special Mujeron with us today, Dr. Christine Coleman, who is going to be joining us and helping us on how to attract a very uh, more healthy relationships in our life. So Dr. Christine Coleman is a licensed marriage and family therapist speaker, consultant, and award-winning founder of women's health nonprofit, Soul Sisters. She identifies as Mexican and Iranian American, and she is dedicated to serving individuals, couples, and companies by centering BIPOC and women of color mental health for the therapy room to the corporate setting. Christine, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super excited to have you here to learn more about your story. And I know you're going to have great advice for us. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me a little bit more about how you got here. I know that there's a lot of things that we don't see probably on social media or just in general when it comes to our journeys. So I would love to know a little bit more about you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so I love that you said that because it can look shiny with fancy titles and cool things, but it's a lot of work and there's a lot of behind the scenes work and it's been a long, long journey. I still have many dreams of where I'm going, but I also love to pause and I appreciate questions like this to remind me as well as hopefully inspire others who are wondering what directions they should go. So for me, on the education end, I have a, I started off an undergrad, uh, undergraduate program in Southern California with a bachelor's degree in psychology. And it's funny because my mom, who is Mexican-American, love my mama, she is a therapist. She's a psychotherapist. And as a teenager, I was super rebellious. I was like, I will be anything but a therapist. And then I took one psychology class and I was like, sold. I will be, <laughs> I will be a therapist or I'll study psychology further. What I quickly learned is that the field of psychology is super broad. There's so many directions you can go. My mom works in a hospital setting. Right out of college, I was working with um, at-risk or high-risk youth in the school setting, and I continued that work in this, as a school-based counselor and then therapist uh, for the majority of my 20s. And I was able to get my master's degree here at the University of San Francisco. I got my license shortly afterwards, and as if I couldn't get enough of school or training, I decided I wanted to go back to get my PhD. And so my PhD is in marriage and family therapy. And that was a hard journey because 
I think a lot of what happens is in our circles that we have a lot of cheerleaders sometimes, but we also have a lot of naysayers. And we also have a lot of folks telling us, we want you to go far, but not that far. You're fine. You'll be fine with that degree. You'll be fine with this job. And sometimes we want to spread our wings further, but sometimes our familias don't have the resources or the knowledge of how far we can go. So they say, stay close to home, or they say, don't go too far. Sometimes, quite frankly, we have the haters who don't want to see us succeed. And then we just have folks who are telling us to be really practical. And that's really what I think I was I was receiving when I thought, when I thought I want to get my PhD. I've never met anybody before who had a PhD who looked like me. I never had um, an example of just people around me, women of color around me who were super scholarly. And um, I wanted to break that mold. I was really passionate about not just having a seat at the table, but creating my own tables to bring other people to do work alongside me, to empower women who are like me, but I also needed to do that work. So it was a lot of back and forth. I think that's really important to share with you all that, that again, degrees and jobs and titles look really glamorous, but there are a lot of hoops we have to, to jump through systemically. We have a lot of battles and hurdles to jump through familially with our family members and communities. And then we also have a lot of um, just battles within ourselves of, am I good enough? Do I, can I, am I capable? And so I wrestled with those things a lot, but um, thankfully I pushed through the very, very many hardships that I don't have time to name <laughs> all of them today, but they're definitely there. And um, I, I'm just really proud of my, my educational background, but more than anything, I, I'm really, really thankful that the work that I do impacts lives. I get to teach and encourage and support people in their mental health journeys. And that is the most beautiful part of everything I work for. Yeah, I love that. And I'm so grateful that you mentioned just the different ways that sometimes we'll find, you know, those comments or maybe the people that don't support us fully in our journeys and how difficult that is. And I think that goes hand in hand in what we're going to be talking today. How can we attract those relationships, whether it be family or in our with our partners, with even supporting our dreams, right? I feel like a lot of the women that are listening right now are women who are aiming high, women who really want to create big things. And that's so important to have a, a good circle of people cheering you on. So I'm excited to be talking and, and diving into how we can be attracting those people in our lives. So let's get right into it. Tell us what would be one of the, the advice that you can give us. So I love that you're leading with, with that of, of just knowing who's here, who the audience is. And there's so many of us who have big dreams and it reminds me of what I'm going to get to with our first point. It reminds me of when I was working in a school-based setting. I learned so much there. I was working in an all-girls Catholic high school that served low-income marginalized girls, many of whom were Latinas, many of whom, whom, came, whom, from, whom came from, excuse me, from immigrant backgrounds. So I was the counselor there. And I saw a lot of those kind of young, innocent dreams and I also saw a lot of the pressures and heard a lot of the pressures from the family. So we've sacrificed so much to get you in this college preparatory education. We want you to go to college. We want you to soar. 
but not that big, like I said before, right? Not that direction, right? We want you to go be a nurse or something that will keep you close to home. And so from a young age, I think we learn all across cultures, not just immigrants, not just Latinos, but, but we learn that we have our own dreams and our own desires, the paths we want to go. We're exposed to different things, sometimes through media, sometimes through mentors or people we, we heard on TV or in a podcast, right? But a lot of times they're deterred because of circumstances, because of limitations, because of lack of resources, because of naysayers, as I mentioned earlier, that I've come across myself. And it can really be depleting of one's dreams if that's constant and if we give into those. And so, you know, you mentioned manifesting, you mentioned, you know, just following your dreams and really being surrounded by community who supports you. My belief is that to start welcoming dreams, welcoming healthy people, especially healthy romantic relationships, as we touch on that in a moment, is to trust your gut, trust your intuition. A lot of times that's really associated with with gender, right? Women's intuition. I believe we all have our own intuitions, but I love more (laughs) more than anything to speak about women's intuition because I think it's really, truly special. So I'll pause there, but that's the first, that's the first that I really think would be important to highlight. Yeah, that's definitely something that's important to talk about because a lot of times we don't trust ourselves, right? And then you feel that gut feeling that you're talking about that intuition and we maybe start making excuses. Like, are we being exaggerated? Are we just overthinking? And a lot of times it's so important to really sit down and listen to this part of our inner, inner thoughts so that we can make sure that we're not welcoming those people. Is there anything that we can do in order to put that into practice? Really hone in and listen to that intuition. Mm. I love that question. So I want to say a couple of things about trusting your gut. It sounds really basic. And I believe that typically it can be, but I also want to acknowledge because I'm a mental health professional that sometimes our gut can feel really scary, especially if there's a history of trauma, if there's a history of really challenging things that have led us to believe that our, we can't trust our own selves. Uh, relationship um, wise, when we think about being in relationships, if we've had abusive partners or partners who have been gaslighters, people who you've said something, you didn't trust them, you caught them in a lie, and they say, you're crazy, you're overreacting, right? You might have maybe not even romantic partners who do that or did that, maybe people in your family, right? That type of wounding can cause somebody to really question if their gut is truthful or not. And so That is something, as you mentioned, kind of what are the tips? What can we do? Acknowledge, acknowledging that trusting your gut is something that is learned and is also something that's incredibly innate, right? We have that in us. Sometimes it can get foggy and blurred. So my recommendation to you is to really get silent and sit with yourself for a moment. If you need to do some self-reflection, like journaling, crying, thinking, meditating, praying, whatever that direction is for you. I think it really is important to come back to self and get regrounded and refocused. If there is a trauma in your life, if there have been many traumas in your life, if you have people in your life who've really deterred you from trusting your own self because they've said things to you that made you feel like you're the crazy one or out of line or in la la land, 
it is important. We're talking today about relationships. It is important to seek out trustworthy relationships. You might look around. I hope this is not true for anyone, but it's true for many. Don't trust anybody. Don't know who is, who is an important person. So in that case, I would really encourage a professional where you can really just start to sit with yourself and someone who can get to know you and lean in without judgment and without uh, bias. That's our jobs as therapists is to really come in as, as open and non-biased as possible so we can be there for you. But if you're anywhere in between what I mentioned in those examples, it really is important to lean into those, I call them those small little voices, right? The, the, the voices. And sometimes the voices start off as small whispers, like, you don't want to date that person. You don't want to go that direction, right? But we go, oh no, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, that can't be it. I'll just keep on trying this. I'll keep on trying that. And sometimes that voice might agree. And sometimes voice might go, you just like, oh, I just, I hear it, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to, I don't want to go start that business. I don't want to do that thing. Or I, I do want to go down that path towards an unhealthy relationship because they're present and I'm lonely. And I don't, I don't know how to, how to, how my relationships have failed. So I might as well just try something new. But your gut tells you to go the direction that might be a little uncomfortable, but you trust that it's steering you in the right direction. So I hope that that's just a taste, but I hope that yeah. really getting silent, sitting still. And if you don't really know if you can trust yourself or not to really surround yourself with outsiders who can really feed into you and reaffirm you to get back on track. Yeah, there's a couple of things that really stood out to me. And one of them is really making sure that you're not confusing that with like the, the fear of actually taking action with something. Right. And I think a lot of times in my personal experience, I've been able to almost you, it's like the actions, right. From either a person or whatever it is, or even from like starting a new project and then receiving that energy back and you, you, if it feels good and it feels right, then you move forward. But if you continue to get that, you know, that, that feeling and, you know, taking a step back and maybe moving without that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing, obviously, is, is seeking for help. I think that journaling and meditating and all of those things help to a certain extent. But when you continue to you know, fall in the the same place over and over again, maybe it's like you said, something that you need to reach help. And I love that today we're pushing that even more, just searching for help and reaching out for help because that doesn't make us weak. I just want to make sure we say that out loud because absolutely, it's definitely something that I feel like we bring from previous generations, right? Especially in a culture like ours, Latinos, that a lot of times that is you can't really take your your business outside of the home that's right thank thank you for highlighting that that's so true and I love that you brought that back that we have a lot of voices we have a lot of voices in our head and so that makes sense right that we would get the loud voices swirling all the time mixed in with the gut feeling that's why I recommend slowing down and getting silent, mm. right? I always encourage my clients, it sounds kind of silly, but our thoughts can feel like they're just on a hundred, right? Just going, 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 can't slow down. The voices are, are coming in there. It's just so loud in our heads. It's so fast. It's confusing. It feels like we're spiraling downward sometimes. 
And so I tell my clients that they have control and power over their thoughts. And when you hear that, for many of my, so I'm like, no, I don't. They're just, I'm just thinking I can't control them, but you really can't. And when I work with kids and even when I work with adults, I tell them, picture closing your eyes or actually close your eyes and picture zapping them, zapping them out like a game, zapping them out. Sometimes uh, when I start sessions, I'll, I'll start with a quiet meditation to get clients grounded because sometimes they're zooming in from work or their kids just are making a lot of noise and they need to come into session. So we'll kind of settle down for one minute, do some deep breathing. And I encourage them to say to their thoughts, if anything is distracting you, there's a thought that you need to leave at the door, so to speak, let it know that for this hour, you will not pay attention to it and you're going to move into something else. Now that takes practice, right? But it is super important to know that we do have control over our thoughts. We do have the power over them. When we're able to get really clear on that, then the gut feeling won't feel as foreign, I believe, after that. Yeah, I love that. I love just getting grounded and really taking that time to almost make your mind blank, right? I think that a lot of times we underestimate how powerful that can be. And I like that that visual of like zapping those bad <laughs> thoughts away. So I'm definitely going to be trying that. What would you say is the second tip that you can share with us so that we can embrace these healthy relationships? Yeah. So the second one, and you mentioned, I want to make sure I don't forget, you mentioned the portion about family and culture, especially as we navigate. So we're going to come back to that one in just a moment. I did not forget about answering that one. But the second one is really specific to our romantic relationships. And I would love for us to sit here for a minute if we can, because maybe there are some people on the opposite end who are like, I don't, I don't want to get too close. I, I, I like love, but I like to keep it at a distance. And so I'm giving these examples because when we think about, you know, welcoming healthy relationships in our lives, and we've talked about family and culture and community, but when we sit and focus on including romantic relationships, I think it's really important for us to sit with and understand how we relate romantically. And so there's a theory out there in the psychology world that's called attachment theory. Some of you might've heard of it. Some of you might have not, but the attachment theory basically says that we attach in four different ways. One is securely. And I invite you to think about a baby or a child who's been nurtured and loved. And when they cry, they get attention. They get picked up. They're nurtured. They're rocked they're fed, they're changed, right? We do these things to soothe them. Then they've learned over time, maybe even into their early childhood, into their teenagers, that even if I mess up, even if I need help, I have a parent, I have a system, particularly with, particularly with my mother and or father, hopefully both, that, that I'm gonna be taken care of, that I'm not gonna be pushed away or made fun of or get mad or, or someone's getting mad at me. I know that I'm safe and loved here. That is secure attachment. And what the theory says I think is super cool is if we are raised like that, we move forward throughout life, we have security. We know that at the root of people who made us, there is security there, there's love there, there's no turning their backs on us despite what we do or don't do. Then we learn the world is not an entirely safe place, but it's safe enough to welcome romantic relationships. And we have a better gauge 
at who feels available, who feels emotionally safe, who feels physically safe, hopefully, right? Um, and can determine, do I, is that something I want to engage in or not? So I just read a statistic about 66% of people in the United States are identified as having secure attachment. I thought that was pretty cool, more than half, right? But there's also a whole other chunk of folks who might fall into the other buckets. And so I'll quickly go through the other ones if that's okay. So secure attachment, we, we know, right? And, I, and to be very clear, that is the goal. The goal is to be securely attached. People are thrive better in relationships all around, not just romantically. We have a much better calm and optimistic outlook in the world. And then hopefully have fun, peaceful, engaged, safe. And I say safe really specifically around emotional safety as well as physical safety, psychologically safety, right? Uh, psychological safety, excuse me to be able to be romantically involved with somebody, somebody who's our friend, somebody who we can trust, someone we don't, if we say something, we don't think they're gonna run away or get mad at us, right? So that's secure attachment. Avoidant attachment is uh, someone who might, uh, like I said, I always say like love at an arm's length or an arm's distance, right? Like I'll get close to you, I might hook up with you, I might take you out on a few dates, have fun, I might even be involved in a relationship with a long time, but emotionally, I'm really distant. It's not safe for me to get distant. They might have grown up with a parent or a caregiver who displayed similar things, or maybe got really mad at them when they did show emotional vulnerability and taught their kids, you can't do that. And we know that that's something to be true in a lot of Latino families, which is why it's really important to factor in the cultural piece. So avoidance, um, can have a really hard time finding safety in love. And so they rather keep far away, especially with romantic partners. The other one is anxious attachment. So kind of opposite of, of avoidant. So it's the ones who get super clingy, who feel like someone's always gonna cheat on them or leave them. And so they, they latch on and, and question and, and do all these things almost kind of I say this really carefully, but kind of like are kind of coined as dramatic, right? They, they do these things that are really intense because they're scared, they're anxious. They don't want to be left. They don't want to be lied to. They want to trust, but they feel more anxious than calm. Oftentimes, I don't know if this makes sense to you. I think it makes sense when we think about it. Anxious folks and avoidant folks attract each other. And it's, is kind of known to be a recipe for disaster, we can imagine, but it's it's true, right? The anxious person thinks I can fix them. The avoidant person thinks, oh, they're giving me the attention, but I'm not gonna go too close to them. And they end up kind of doing this back and forth thing that some people have for years and years and years, we can imagine it's not the healthiest thing. Real quickly, the last one, and as I'm sharing these, I hope that folks who are listening are thinking about which one could I be? And it could take a little bit more learning and researching and leaning into, but I'm giving you a very high level description of each one because I think it's so important for us to know how we navigate the world, especially when it comes to our romantic relationships. So the last one is fearful avoidant. These are folks who might have experienced a bit more um, intense type of abuse growing up, right? It could be emotional, it could be physical, it could even be sexual or just really kind of up and down emotional parents. One minute they have a really extreme parent who's screaming at them and hurting them. The other moment they're loving and then the child doesn't know what version of their parent they're gonna get. 
I think oftentimes the people who have parents who are um, experiencing substance abuse, right? A parent who one day is like belligerent alcoholic and the child is scared of their parent and the next day they're loving and they're calmed down. The parent, the child wonders, can I get close to you? Okay, I'll kind of get close to you, but they don't know what they're gonna get. And so their lives kind of go with this up and down emotion. And in their romantic relationships when they get older, it's kind of the same thing. I want that love. I want to lean in. When I get too close and it gets scary, I back up. So you can imagine if, if you've ever dated somebody like that, how you feel like your emotions are a yo-yo to the person who is coming close, leaving, coming close, leaving. The avoidance just kind of stay back here. The anxious kind of get real close up here. The fearful avoidance go back and forth. So I'll slow down there, but that's kind of what I want us to think about for the second point here is determining your attachment style will really help you figure out how you navigate the world and also the work that needs to come thereafter to help you get, move towards more security. Yeah, that's so interesting. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of it, you almost start to think what kind of relationships or people you were, you know, at some point um, that you can, you can match, you know, what these attachments are. Wow, that's that's awesome. Thank you <laughs> <for deep>. that. <laughs> yeah, that's it's deep. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. I I feel like it's at least some way for us to acknowledge where we're at. And if you know we're in a place where we're unhappy or where you know we up to this point we haven't really attracted that person that has been able to compliment us, it's definitely a good way to to bring that that attention to it. Yeah. Perfect. So what would you say is the third, the third advice that you have for us today? Yeah. Well, something I love to speak about again in my practice, as well as when I work with companies is really factoring in how our culture, our race, our ethnicities, our upbringing really influences these dynamics that we've been talking about during this time together. Right. So trusting your gut. Well, I want to trust my gut, but there's maybe superstitions involved or voices involved or different things involved that my culture raised me on. Talking about healthy romantic relationships or unhealthy romantic relationships. What did you see modeled in your life? What was normal for your tias and tios and cousins and, and at family parties? And what did you see and then assume to be normal? Because that's why for many of us, it's hard to break through and overcome some of these hurdles because we were not modeled them and we have a very a baseline that's normal to us that's not necessarily healthy but they're modeled to us in in our lives and so it's really hard but on the opposite end there's so many beautiful parts of our culturas that are rich and lovely and they're unique and they've influenced us to to know that we we act collectively in our in our culture right latinos are super collectivistic uh people we invite family over, we have multi-generational homes, we raise our kids together, right? So that's really beautiful when we think about, yes, the very problematic sides of our cultures, across cultures, every, every culture has its problems and its issues that we can work towards bettering as we learn more, as we research more, what works, what doesn't work, right? But we also need to, I believe it's incredibly important to recognize the beautiful aspects of our traditions, our rituals and our cultures and think about how beautifully they influence our relationships as well. So some things we do need to continue to learn and lean into and respectfully so there's some things we 
need to unlearn. There's a wonderful page I, I love to follow on Instagram. It's called Latinx Parenting. I love it because I have a four and a two-year-old and I'm, I thought I knew how to parent. And there's moments where I'm like, I don't know what you people are doing. <laughs> it's really hard. They're so crazy sometimes. I love them, but they're so hard. And they have this hashtag. I'm not sure if anybody follows them. That's called End Chancla, Chancla Culture. And I love that. And they're really big proponents on, on factoring out the physical discipline that many of us grew up on uh, with, with chanclas or other things, or you know, just really various forms of what we might in, in more modern culture consider abusive to children. And so, um, but they have really specific ways of, of welcoming that while still embracing and being rooted in our cultures. And that's what I kind of want to echo today is we don't need to lose our cultures and our values that, we, that are rooted in us to also still welcome the future, the future mm. parts of us that that can be refined. Yeah, that's that is such a great point. And I think that a lot of times this is why therapy in general is so amazing. I want to share, I just started doing therapy, taking therapy um, as in my transition into motherhood, because I felt like that was such a huge change in my life. And I just really wanted the support in that. And you're right. A lot of these things come from when we were growing up, you know, like a lot of these things that come up now as adults. So it's super important to just try it out and see, you know, how it can improve your life. We'd be surprised how many things we can heal and move forward when we seek for help. But I, I love that um, that last thing you told us, like, how can we still keep that you know our traditions our values but now you know give it that twist <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree I agree and again all of these things we have to start with sitting with ourselves right? having some quiet time having some reflection because especially when it comes to making changes in our lives and especially if we've grown up with people like oh, that's just how I am <laughs> right? when you hear these people it'll just yes. it is what it is this is just how we are we're not going to change. Every human being has a capability to change, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not always easy. And it's sometimes, many times, takes another person or a whole community or a whole circle of support to help us make those refinements. So I, I really love that you're doing that work too, because we don't just think about ourselves and our history. We think about our future generations too. Mm-hmm. You think about trusting your gut because you know that in your heart, you are a good person and you do the right thing and you want to to be a healthy whole person who knows that she can sit with herself, you can sit with yourself and know that I trust myself, that's a win for you. You Mm. think about being in a romantic, healthy relationship, that's obviously a win for you and your partner. And if you choose to have children or you're modeling for the next generations what a healthy relationship looks like, that's a win for them. It interrupts previous cycles that maybe you've you've been involved with before and then so forth, especially with the cultural piece. So, so it's incredibly important to do this work. I agree, especially for parents. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that just how important trusting ourselves is overall, I think in this conversation, that's like one of the biggest takeaways for Mm -hmm. me, because it really is such a game changer in all aspects of your life, work, career, you know, if you have your own business, like trusting yourself that you're making the right choices, that you're moving forward, and you're you know that you're going to come through for yourself is such a, a game changer. So I love that. And 
Another thing that I, I kind of want to mention and highlight before we wrap up here is if you don't know where to start, Christine kind of shared the first step is sitting with yourself and really just listening to yourself. That would be a great way for it to be a step one. Christine, where can we find you on social media and on the internet? <laughs> yes. Oh, I would love for you all to connect with me. So on Instagram, I'm at Dr. Dr. Christine Coleman. Uh, my website is similar, drchristinecoleman.com. And um, those are the two main places I live right now. So I would love for you all to connect with me there. Um, if it's okay to share at this point, I would love to yes. plug in that if any of the, the pieces that we talked about today stuck out to you, um, I would love to, again, connect with you more. If number two, where we talked specifically about romantic relationships and attachment styles, if that resonated with you, I would love for you to attend my upcoming course on how to find and keep healthy love. I have that link up on my bio in my Instagram, on my Instagram bio link. So please visit it there. For listeners, I'd love to offer you 25% off. So I'm going to pass it on. But if you could enter Mujeron25 when you check out, I will make sure that it'll, it will lead you to receiving 25% off the cost. So again, we're working on relationships. We're talking about steps, right? Well, sometimes we have to take a bit of time for ourselves and dig deeper. And so my, my mission is to provide you know, not just in private practice therapy, not just in companies, but everyday folks like you who are just like, I, I want to learn more about this. I want to do the work on myself. So the course um, description hopefully will give you a bit more insight into what it will be like, but it will be a deeper dive into the conversation around healthy romantic relationships and attachment theory. Thank you. And thank you so much for giving that to our community. I'll make sure to link all the, the details in the show notes. So ladies, hey. I hope that you guys had a lot of takeaways with this. Again, please make sure you follow Dr. Christine and I will link all of that. Thank you so much Great. for being here today. Thank you. This was an honor and pleasure. Thank you. Mujerones, muchas gracias por acompañarnos el día de hoy. We'll see you guys next time. Mujeron, thank you so much for tuning in to another episodio of the Mujeron podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, share, leave a review so you can help us get to so many more Mujerones. Don't forget, you can also watch our show on our YouTube channel where you can let us know in the comments if you like this episode or what other topics you would like us to talk about in the future. Keep shining, keep working towards becoming the Mujeron of your dreams.